Welcome to Tony D Talks from Forbes Books. Designing the blueprint for business success with Tony DeSilvestro. Hey, thank you for joining me on my podcast today. After many years in business, my goal is for entrepreneurs to win. Everything I've done over the last 30 years was work, hard work. But now I want to give back to entrepreneurs. I want to help them succeed. I'm tired of seeing them lose everything they've worked so hard for. That's what I'm doing with this podcast. I want to bring entrepreneurs together and see what they've done to grow their businesses. You know, we're all at different levels as entrepreneurs. And on this show, I'm going to talk to the entrepreneurs that have scaled businesses to billions of dollars and to hundreds of thousands of dollars. But you know what? At the end of the day, we all learn from each other. And today, I'm excited to have Horst Schulze on my podcast. Horst is a legend and a leader in the hotel world. And during his career, he transformed the approach of service and hospitality across industries. Horace, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be with you. I love your story. I know a lot about you just from researching you and really understanding your life. But what you don't know, I've been in the restaurant business for 40 years. So a lot of your thought process and what you do, and I've used your company as an example on how to amplify the customer service in my brand every day. You know, saying, you know, we are a casual Italian restaurant. And I say, listen, we need Ritz Carlton service at a value proposition. So it's truly an honor to be here today with you. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. I look forward. I was looking forward to have a conversation with you. Yes. Um, I love it. I saw your book, Excellent Wins. Can you tell me a little bit more? So my my life is all about creating experiences, but I love how excellence wins. And, you know, I know you started at such a young age in Germany and 14 years old, and I saw that. Can you just tell me, like, you know, the inspiration for you as a young boy at 11 wanting to work in, in hotels, but who was that one person at that young age that truly inspired you? Yeah, well, I was 11 when I started begging to work in the hotel business and and finally with 14 uh, my, my parents found a job in the best hotel in the region unfortunately this was a hundred kilometers away from my village uh, which at the time was very far uh, so i started with 14 uh, staying in a dorm room in the hotel working in the hotel as a busboy uh, we were five others in the dorm room <laughs> and uh, but I had a huge life-changing experience the first day when I came to work. First, I met the general manager who, together with my mother, who talked me there at the time. Uh, the general manager said, basically, the guests that are here are very important, ladies and gentlemen. You are here to learn how to serve important ladies and gentlemen. You are basically, he made very clear, you're nothing. The guests are important. Next, I meet the maitre d' of the hotel, meaning the, the gentleman in charge of the food and beverage sure. restaurants. And he said, and that changed my life, even though I didn't get it in that moment. He looked at me and said, all right, tomorrow I want you to show up here at 7 a.m. If I meant one minute after 7, I would tell you so. He established with one sentence, we have rules, we have regulation, we have discipline, we have excellence in what we're doing. We do things right. Basically, he said that. And the next thing he said was, and don't come to work. Show up here tomorrow to create 
excellence in what you are doing. Now, I love that. Mind you, that went over my head with 14. Excellence, because I knew I had to wash dishes, clean floors, and very honorable. Sometimes I was able to clean a table. So, and, and ex, what does that mean? <laughs> Excellence with 14, you don't get that. But over the, next, <laughs> love it. Ne, over the next three years working with this gentleman, who was truly a gentleman of excellence, I learned what he meant and I slowly got it. And it impacted my life, clearly. Well, that's amazing. Uh, you know, and excellence is, is something that uh, we strive for in every employee. You know, I'm blessed to have 400 employees right now. So every day I'm always trying to create process and procedure and purpose in what they do. And I know purpose is a big thing in your life. But what I'd love to hear a little bit more, because I coach entrepreneurship and my passion in life, Horace, is to help entrepreneurs win. Nothing kills me more than seeing a business close or somebody go out of business because of pure fundamentals. Can you tell me a little bit about the struggles in the beginning of Ritz-Carlton? Because I think my the people listening would love to hear. You, know, you think of Ritz-Carlton, you don't think of failure. You, you just think of excellence, right? But people yeah. don't understand that. I think entrepreneurs need to understand that even if Ritz-Carlton struggled in the beginning, even having that opportunity to open a business was an amazing thing. But it's, it is difficult even for, even for successful businesses. Yeah, it is, it is hard to understand how people do not understand that. For example, in Ritz-Carlton, of course, uh, my vision, the reason I joined Ritz-Carlton, mind you, I was very successful with Hyatt. Uh, Ritz-Carlton Ritz didn't exist. These people in Atlanta offered me a job to move to Atlanta, start a new hotel company. I developed a vision, and they made sure that, telling me that operationally the company would be basically mine. I can operation do what I want and, 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 and so on. And uh, I developed a vision that I want to create the best hotel company in the world. Then I have to ask myself as a leader, is that good for all concerned? Uh, and I'm, I'm coming to that, your question, Tony, that it, it, it has to be all encompassing here. It has to be good for all concerned, my vision. I have to question myself, is my vision to create a finance hotel company good for the investors? Because you, you understand, without the investors, we have nothing. There is no business. Sure. And sometimes we, uh, people talk against the, 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 the company and the bigger. Well, wait a minute, without that company, without people risking money to create that company, I have nothing. So whatever I do later when I work for that company, it has to be good for the investors. Of course, secondly, as a, as a leader, I have to ask myself, is what I'm doing and my vision good for the customer, for the guest? Next, is it good for every employee? And of course, next, is it good for the society as a whole? Once as a leader, I answer my question as yes, it's good for all concerned, then I have no more right to compromise it than I have to pursue that vision. And that's what we did. Now, in the beginning, my goodness, now mind you, those investors risked a lot of money to start this new company. They took the risk. I took the risk to start a new company. They took the risk of millions and millions and millions. And, in, and we started this hotel with two hotels in Atlanta, uh, a new brand, which wasn't very smart to start in one city, a luxury hotel company in the same, with two hotels, 1,100 rooms about. That's what we did. And so in the beginning, we had no name. Our name was Ritz-Carlton. Today, you know what that name is. At the time, For people sure. asked, what is it? What is it? What, what, what is it you're doing? And so we had to struggle. 
against the established names that existed and the established reservation systems, the established relationships. We had to go against that in Atlanta. For the first two, two and a half years, it was every day I went to work, I thought we're not going to be in business anymore. We struggled, we worked, we, and, but the decision didn't change. Our vision, our dream, our purpose of creating the finest on this planet didn't change. That's where, Horace, I say, like, you know, so like even in those beginning days when you were struggling, you know, it, it came down to the basics. It came down to creating excellence every single day. It wasn't just like this theory that you had up on a wall. You had to do it every single day. And then it went back into the fundamentals of marketing, you know, you know, looking at your business acumen, your expenses and going through these P&Ls. And I think that's what every entrepreneur struggles with these days. But I think, you know, it, it becomes real when you hear like you explaining uh, that the struggles that even Rich Carlton goes through, but it's you had to go back down to those basics and believe in what you're doing and have that passion as an entrepreneur to just drive. And that is it. And that's what so many people don't do and, and leaders. And now we start concentrating on, on the money, and we, which not only during difficult times, even during good times, rather than keep on concentrating on your purpose and on that which creates the money. That means excellence in customer service, excellence in product, excellence in relationship with the employees, excellence in relationship with, with, your, with, your, with, your, with your guests and with, with your suppliers. That should be the concentration. I sit on a number of boards and the concentration is money. All the time the discussion is around money. Another plan, borrowing money, investing money, buying another thing, and then money, 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 money is the discussion. That's it, it, natural because Wall Street puts us in that corner. So consequently, we are not concentrated on the very thing that makes money. And in your and my business, it's caring for people. It's caring yes. for people that makes money. But I'm not doing that caring. Every single employee has to express that caring. Right. I say the same thing. You know, I tell people, I said, you know, if we focus on money, you'll never have money. Focus exactly. on the people. I tell everybody I'm in the 98.6 degree business. And that's the business I'm in, which is people, you know, so and until when I mentor businesses and I teach them, I say, you're in the people business. We're all in the same exact business. We are all in the people business. And when you start focusing on people, then you win. You've talked a little bit about leadership, and I would be so curious to hear you define what leadership versus management is. And it's something I talk to all of my, in every meeting I'm in, I'm like, tell me the difference between a leader and a manager. You know, first of all, we have to understand we have a leadership crisis in the country, period. Sure. I mean, in, in business, in politics, everywhere, there's a leadership crisis because people, leadership number, a leader has a vision. A leadership leader has a purpose. Number one has a purpose. Now, now and I'm leading, leading, leading means, uh, implies I'm guiding people somewhere. And when I ask people, what is your vision? What is your company's vision? There is nothing. There is a mission. Here's what we do. No, 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 no. Not what you do. Where do you want to be in 10 years from now? Once I have established that, I now can offer employees, people to join me in a vision. And I lead them to what in, in, in Ritz-Carlton was to become the finest in the world. So I'm leading everybody and I know that it's good for everybody. As a leader, I know that. I have to establish that. I'm now leading people towards that destination. That's one explanation. Allow me to explain another one. Management, of course, in a way does the same thing. But the difference between management and this is if you think 
there is your market, all your customers and your potential customers. There's a lot of people there, but on the left and on the right, there are also a lot of people. Those are your employees. If I'm a great company, I understand what the market expects from my product. And I now make sure I'm aligning the employees to that knowledge so that they do what the customer expect. As management now, I now have to create processes, systems, measurements, controls, and so on to be sure that happens. I am giving the customer what the customer wants through my systems and with employees. Now, a real leader creates an environment in which the employees want to do that, not have to do it. Its vision, its alignment, is creating the right culture and environment that, that a leader does. Clearly having always in mind, is it good for all concerned? I love the bomb you just dropped. It's not, it's, it's not have, it's want to do. And I think that's such a key element. You have to get the people to want to believe and inspire them to want to be work for you and work hard, work that 50 hours a week. So, you know, Ritz-Carlton, consistency is probably the most amazing thing you do. It doesn't matter what Ritz-Carlton you walk in, you're getting that same experience. So with through delegation, which is one of my favorite things to teach, what systems have you put in place to make sure that you're delegating properly and getting that consistency in every one of your hotels? Well, I, I want to uh, say something here, Tony. I'm, after it's called, I created another hotel company, which is called Capella, which, by the way, now is voted number one hotel company in the world. And the Hotel wow. Capella Hotel in Bali is voted best hotel in the world. And I also have implemented the same philosophies in other companies totally unrelated to hotels. So it works everywhere, just to, to emphasize that. Yes, you have to have systems. The market as a whole, if they buy anything... This is a fact. This has been a relatively recent study. If they buy anything, they're saying, if you give me your product and you care for me, then I will deal with you even if you charge more and I could buy the same product next door for less. I will buy it from you as long as you care for me. So with other words, caring for the customer is of utmost importance. So, what have we done to consistently show that we care? Number one, we created the right employee selection process. Now, even now, everybody whines lately. Oh, you can't find any help. Well, when I was running this car, we whined about the same thing, except our employee turnover was under 20% and the industry was over, over, over 100%. You know, and we didn't pay more. You know, it's even today, people out there who... When you cry about not having employees, there are plenty of people out there. The fact is they don't want to work for you if you don't have them. So we, we, rather than blaming them, we should be, with other words, we have to lead ourselves to find solutions, not just complain. So the, what we did to make be sure we had that service ex consistency, Mind you, not consistency today and tomorrow, but consistency in five continents, hotels in every continent. And wherever we were during my time, we were rated number one. You know, we have to create a consistency. That starts with the selection of employees, not hiring, selecting. It continues it. with having the right orientation, which is, I have to say, 
99% of the time done wrong. And the orientation usually means the new employee comes in and we give him the rules and regulation of the company rather than inviting them to become part of us, giving them purpose. The number one is selection, number two orientation, number three is training, number four is sustaining whatever you teach and have the right work environment, the right culture. If you lose employees, you have to question yourself, not what was wrong with that employee, but what right. is wrong with my selection? What is wrong with my orientation? What is wrong with my work environment? I cannot correct the person that's gone, but I right. can correct myself. I love it. So like I have four steps of delegation, right? It's finding the right person, the task, the right person, setting the right expectation, and then the follow through. But I find so many managers and leaders criticize the employee first instead of themselves. So I'm constantly training that way. Yeah, wait a minute. If the employee actually was bad, it's still you. You were the one that hired him. You were the dummy that hired him. Come on. You talk about problem resolutions, right? So for me, a problem is an opportunity in my companies. So I love when you talk about problem resolution, right? Because a problem is that opportunity. And I've said for 40 years now, the, the best customers are the one that I had a problem with because I had an opportunity to actually influence them and inspire them. Can you talk a little more about that? I love your philosophies on that. Well, yeah, I mean, there are three types of customers, Tony. There are the dissatisfied customers. That's a customer that leaves and becomes a terrorist against your company. Today, with the, with the with social network and so on, they become a terrorist. They can destroy you. Then that's the right. dissatisfied customer. Then there is the satisfied customer who is not yours. They go next door if they think there is a better deal. And then there is the loyal customer. The loyal customer, what, what is that has to be understood too. What does it mean? I, I talk to companies, they don't get it. What does it mean, a loyal customer? Loyal customer means nothing else but they develop trust in you. They trust right. in you. And this, that is created not by product but by relationship. But a dissatisfied customer, I have to avoid. There are some customers going to be dissatisfied. But I have to do everything in my power to avoid that they go and become an enemy, a, a terrorist against you. So we mature. Mind you, again, I cannot do that in my office in Atlanta. I cannot do anything about a guy in, in Nanjing or in, in, or in Berlin or so on. But I can make sure that we have the right teaching. And so we certified every employee, 24,000 employees, to handle problem resolution. If a problem happens, and I, I give in, in my book, I give the example of uh, when, the, when the guest comes to breakfast in the morning and the busboy said, I, ho- I hope you had a good night's sleep with us. And he said, I didn't. And it was really annoying that the TV didn't work. In that moment, the, the busboy owns the TV. And we teach that. He said, any complaint you get, you own it. So what do you do? What are the steps now? Of course, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, sure. Number one, listen to the complaint. Number two, show empathy. Number three, apologize. The busboy now is to apologize. I am sorry, sir, forgive me about our TV. Number four, make amends. Buy him breakfast. And we empowered our employees, totally empowered them. In fact, I empowered every employee to be able to make a decision up to $2,000. 
That's another story that created a nuclear explosion in the company. But <laughs> everybody is empowered now to say, I'm sorry, and buy breakfast. Mind you, that guest that was unhappy and potentially went outside and became a terrorist now becomes an ambassador for you. So we That's make sure every, every employee was certified to handle problem resolutions. It's interesting, like, you know, so many companies don't focus on that with training their employees. You know, they train them how to do tasks, not to create an experience with their customers and their guests. Well, Tony, um, that, it's, it's kind of understanding because, look, 20 years ago, before the social network and social stuff was, if, you, if a guest was unhappy, you lost that guest. It's not true anymore. If you lose that guest, that guest goes in the internet, goes and can hurt you. You cannot afford that. You have to concentrate on it. How do you concentrate on it? By you sitting in your office? No. You have to, you have to align your whole organization around it again. Yeah, I love like reputation management. Like when I mentor companies and I'm working with people, they have this reputation management, like Google reviews and stuff like this. I'm like, so what are you doing with your Google reviews? And they're like, we respond sometimes. I'm like, you don't understand. That is your best marketing tool you have. That is where you find friction in your company that creates positive solutions to create great experience with your guests going forward. Because those 10% of people that complain are, are the most valuable customers I have. Yeah, and, and, and it's so easy to make them ambassadors. We had constantly people looking at the feedback that came in, and sometimes we reached complainers while they were still, still sitting on the computer complaining. I love it. They all were turned around. We had a customer last night, just last night, Horace. I mean, it was 1030 at night, and they had sent a Google review in, and my manager called them back within two minutes, and they were blown away. But it was like, a, like two-page complaint. And by the time we got off the phone with them, they were just astonished that at 1030 night we're responding to them. And, you know, it's it's investing in your your customers, but also investing in them employees. And, and that customer was, was so excited. But it's really just, it's not, I talk about like what you're saying, like, you know, people should giving them an experience. Like I tell people all the time, like if you get a $60 or an $80 steak at Ruth Chris and an $80 steak at another restaurant, you'll pay that money at Ruth Chris to spend that $95 on that steak versus a $60 steak somewhere else because they're creating an experience for you while you're there. And yeah. it's so hard to get that point across sometimes. Exactly. Well, it, it is kind of, what, what, we, what, what we all have to know as an example in the hotel or in the restaurant, but this is true for anything. It, what, it, people don't seem to understand it. No matter what business you're in, you're in the hospitality business one way or another. Sure. sure. If you have a shoe store, what do you do? You, you make shoes? You know, you don't. You create the, the only thing you're improving the product by giving your service and caring for people in a hardware store and anywhere. And, and we take care of people. Of course, in a restaurant, today we want to go out for a visit in the office and say, where should we go for lunch? Where do we go? Do we go where the food was good? That is not true. We go right. where we felt good. And that feeling good, of course, included the food, but included the surrounding. The, but most of all, the moment of relationship with the employee. Did they show, we respect you. We are glad you're here. You are important to us. Did, did I feel that? in that store where I'm going to go to buy my suit or go for a restaurant or buy shoes or buy, buy a, a, a saw. It doesn't matter. 
am I respected? And that I, ha that I have to accomplish through my employees. And that's an art. That's not never discussed in a board meeting, by the way. Never. No, I know. Never. Yet this is the thing that makes the profit. And it's not discussed in a board meeting. And then, of course, the CEO writes a, st a story afterwards about my, my most important assets are our employees. Yeah, baloney. I never heard you talk about the employee. <laughs> I love it. Well, hang on, Horace. We have to take a break. But coming up in the second part of my conversation with Horace Schultze, the legendary co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, Horace talks about why business leaders need to stop making excuses. Don't make excuses because you are that, because all the stuff that you find as an excuse, dismiss it. Your destiny is not the other people. You're not defined by that. You're defined by what you do. This has been Tony D Talks. If you'd like to scale your business for growth, contact Tony at TonyDSilvestro.com. Tony D Talks is a production of Forbes Books.